In this episode with Brad, we dive into how to break down the core beliefs and principles that your prospects and your web traffic need to believe in order to buy. It is a proven strategy and uh, method and process that he's implementing for all his portfolio clients. Plus, you'll also learn the path of how Brad has basically gone from hired gun and advisor and consultant to now acquiring businesses and exploring even a $50 million potential credit fund to buy even more and more businesses. It's a great episode. Hope you enjoy. So this is me trying to grow as an entrepreneur, which is um, um, create a pitch deck for what the proposed use of funds will be. Um, in this case, it is to do an IT service manager MSP roll up. You're listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson. I'm with Mr. DC, Dylan Carpenter. How you doing today, Dylan? Good, man. We got an exciting one here. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about today's guests. You know, for a lot of the, the agencies listening, I think today's guest is like, has the perfect consultancy and consulting business that a lot of, of ad agencies or smaller agencies should be modeling after. I also think for some of the, the agencies that have gotten stuck in agency life uh, can really learn a ton about um, how to rise above it uh, and really take things to the next level and, you know, build a revenue stream beyond retainers, as we'll say. And, uh, and so today's guest is also uh, the host of uh, the Bacon Wrap Business uh, podcast, which is um, a pr pretty awesome podcast. I mean, he interviews some pretty pretty high level entrepreneurs um, on the show, and it's a pretty uh, diverse uh, diverse uh, group. So, without further ado, uh, uh, Brad, how you doing? Welcome to the show, man. I am doing great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm pumped to have you on. I, I, I feel like you are, um, the, the kind of the perfect blend. You're like the perfect guest for the show in the sense that there's like straight media buyers that love to just talk about rich ads all day. Uh, but then, you know, there's people like yourself that, uh, you know, in your words, like focus on growth, you know, across the board and are really thinking about, you know, the financial aspect of it, right? How do you budget for growth? How do you reinvest into growth? Um, and it really is, uh, growth is all about, you know, being a good investor and allocation of, 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 of resources. And uh, really so is. I'm excited to, to dive into that uh, because I know that's like um, right up your, right up your wheelhouse. So get everybody a little bit up to speed about what you're up to uh, these days and uh, and a little bit of how, about how you got here. Yeah, my pleasure. So, I mean, I, I've been in the digital marketing space for about 12 years, having back in 2007, I'd left a career in financial services, uh, 2007, 2008. It, it wasn't voluntary, right? Uh, everything was falling apart back then, but I had spent my uh, entire career is a both investment advisor as well as like financial investment advisor and um, and then a consultant to the advisors at Prudential Securities. So mm. I managed to book a business, recommending stocks and you know portfolio allocation, et cetera, for a while, and then it got a little bit crazy, and I moved into the corporate side, working with financial advisors, helping them convince their clients to do fee based business, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, the recession was, uh, you, you know, caused a layoff at the company. Mm -hmm. It just so happened it was the same month I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And I had no idea this was a new area to me. I was in my early 30s. 
And I just remember thinking, well, I'm either going to go, you know, put my resume together and try to get another job in financial services during <laughs> the financial service meltdown. Or Tim Ferriss talked about information mm. marketing and online marketing. And I was like, well, this keeps me from putting my resume together and begging somebody for a job. So maybe I'll try this. So I, um, I started a software business at the same time with a couple partners. And at the same time, I started a uh, just a home study course, like niche information product, really just as a marketing laboratory and to kind of see what I could d uh, do from that angle. And I learned all about direct response and copywriting and marketing, etc. Like all my life, I was actually pretty good at sales, but I knew nothing about marketing. So I learned and I learned and I learned. And then about four or five years later, I sold, um, now about five years later, I sold the info product. And then about a year after that, I sold the, um, the software business. And I just started turning to consulting. I didn't just want to start something up new on my own. I think that was because I had the the curse of knowledge. Like I knew how hard starting something up <laughs> from scratch is. Yeah, so I figured that my skill set would be better tuned in working with other businesses mm. who already have momentum and are already building it up and say, listen, I like the one thing about me is I'm a voracious learner. I pay attention to everything. I test and I try stuff. And when something works, uh, and it works well. I'm like, I wonder where else I can apply this. And mm. I found that a lot of business owners, uh, whether it's agency owners or they, you know they own a physical product, et cetera, you know they're so bogged down in just running their business, they don't have as much time to pay attention to the kind of the cutting edge uh, strategies that mm -hmm. you know that work and change. But I loved that. So I got to satisfy my entrepreneurial ADD by working with uh, a lot of people in different industries, and I've worked with almost. I mean, every major industry from SaaS to info to mm -hmm. physical goods to um, service-based businesses of all types and <clears throat> um, helping them really grow using my financial background and understanding of like, you know, finance, et cetera. Although I'm not mm -hmm. an expert in accounting, I understand that. And then adding on yeah. uh, marketing and profit optimization. So yeah. now what I do is I, I, I still work with companies and this ranges from like I'll work, I've worked with coaches and consultants and people who are, uh, you know, small trying to get an info product off the ground. I've got a couple of venture funded app companies that I work with. I'm talking today to a, a large like fortune 1000 uh, IT company uh, to, to pitch like an ideation service too, which is crazy. <laughs> but um, and then at, at the same time, I've always got my eyes open for acquisitions that I can make specifically. Um, in the kind of, I love the health and wellness field. So I've got, um, a partnership in a company called vitamin patch club.com, which is a nice. really innovative vitamin delivery system. And I am looking to acquire and or invest in, uh, it companies like managed service providers, those companies that work with local businesses. Uh, so it sounds like I'm doing a lot, but really, you know, my consulting feeds my, my, appetite for acquisitions and then mm -hmm. looking for acquisitions oftentimes feeds into the consulting business. So it kind of goes, um, you know, hand in hand, but there's nothing I love more than working with a company. And I love service-based businesses. There's those are my favorite to help show them really unique and proven ways to grow their business without like exponentially instead of linearly or incrementally. Yeah. So that's, well, that's a rare statement, statement, man. People that say they love service businesses, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't love operating them. I love helping them right. grow. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Big difference. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so my career started out in, in financial services in 2008, cool. I worked at, um, Merrill Lynch and, uh, Axe advisors, like right when I was uh, getting out of school at the worst possible time. Oh yeah. And so I, that's kind of been, you know, my story, you know, similarly is like taking that finance angle and really that experience and like really kind of using it as a, as like, um, a pretty awesome, uh, tool in the tool belt, you know, as, uh, as I kind of started my marketing career back in like 2009. Um, so I always, you know, listen to your podcasts and, you know, seeing the people you work with and, and the type of things that you've been involved in over the last few years as directly and indirectly running in the same circles. Um, I knew from afar that I like I Brad's of the same stock. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, uh, well, that's, that's super cool, man. So, uh, let's dive into what's working now. Let's, let's get everybody a little taste of, you know, um, 
this 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 rich ad segment it doesn't have to be this a specific ad but what are some of the things that you're you know deploying right now with you know you're you got a broad range of clients man across a ton of different industries uh so enlighten yeah. us what what what's working so um especially as it it you know it comes around ads i mean there's the standard things like just understanding where in the journey your customer is obviously very important with the ability to do uh, i'm sure most of your listeners understand top middle and bottom of funnel you know ads copy yeah. um I mean, at the, at the most foundational level, that's super critical. And for instance, um, one of the things that um, so okay, okay, I'll go into this. I'm and I'm going to put a pin in this. Don't let me forget to explain. Um, there, there's another like super long form ad that's been working really well. I'll explain. I'm just I'm saying that so I don't forget to tell you. Okay, <laughs> all right, long form ad, got it. Okay, yeah. I won't... <laughs> so so one of the things, uh, like for instance, with Vitamin Patch Club. Uh, yeah. which is, I don't know when this is coming out at the time we're recording this, the ads are not, um, they are, they are not as effective and they are not following the guidelines of what I'm about to say, because I recently just, uh, acquired a part of this business and we are undergoing the ad rehab, if you would. <laughs> so one of the things though, that I've done this in the past and it works really well, but I'm, this is something we are actively doing with vitamin patch club. So Currently, the ads are, did you, you know, did you know you can get your vitamins from patches and blah, 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 and here's the basic science and just, you know, come over and drop off on the homepage of the, of the Shopify site, right? That does not have a really high conversion rate. So one of the very <laughs> first exercises I did with the founder of the company is we went through the, you know, it's commonly called the chain of beliefs. So you know, this, this sells a, a vitamin supplement, basically, but we broke down something like 20 different beliefs that we're asking the, that the customer or the prospect needs to have in place in order to get to the point where they're willing to give us money at the very, I'm not going to go through them all, but at the very top end of the belief is that they need to believe that their health is important. If mm. they're not, we're not, that's not our crowd. And we're not here to convert people to thinking, I don't care about my health to health. Mm -hmm. Then I went down further. Okay. Then they need to think that their health is under control and that this, 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 and that, you know, they actually, that diet is important, right? So I got as fundamental as possible. Like what are all this singular beliefs that a person has to have in order to take the next step mm -hmm. in, um, closer to giving us money. Then what we did is down near the bottom of these, which become the not, you know, no duh, beliefs mm -hmm. it comes to well they they're going to need to believe that for instance not all vitamin sources are created equal and that bioavailability is important and what that is the next mm -hmm. thing they're going to need to understand is that um, vitamin patch club delivers on its promises and that it's worth it right so quality and price and then mm -hmm. at the very bottom they need to believe that the company is somebody they can trust that will take care of them. Because even if they think that the product is amazing, if they don't trust the company, uh, that's ultimately what it is. Because right. when somebody pushes by, they are putting their trust in you. So by ordering this chain of beliefs, and then looking at, well, are we do we have content and in our ads or anywhere else that is helping people um, understand what this is important? Because ultimately, we don't want people to believe anything because believing something means accepting it without evidence. And in marketing, that's terrible. That's a sin. Belief is a sin in marketing, right? Because we want to support everything we're saying with evidence. And the more evidence we can provide, the more, you know, the more we can move them down that chain. Because the minute we get to a point where they're like, well, I guess I have to take your word for it. You're probably going to lose them. Right. So what we've been focusing on now is creating content that can be used in the ads, which supports each one of these beliefs. So this is kind of a, I guess, a more granular version of the top, middle, and bottom of funnel. Like instead of three areas, we've got like 24 different <laughs> chains of beliefs. <laughs> so what the strategy will then be is starting at the bottom of that funnel and saying, okay, well, how do we first make sure that people understand that the company will take care of them? And that will have to do with, you know, the founder's story and the mission and the risk reversal and all of that other stuff, testimonials. And those are the first things we'll create. And we're obviously going to put that in front of our retargeting audience because these are the ones who are the closest to the, um, 
close, you know, closest to the shopping cart. Right. Um, and then, so we've just been building out this ad content plan to say, you know, our, all of our advertising should be valuable and it should be enlightening. And we should try to try to turn beliefs into just accepted facts in their mind. Uh, this is a lot of work when done, you know, if done correctly, it's not just like, Hey, throw an ad up there. And then somebody goes and buys because these days, I mean, it takes like a hundred touch points I've read uh, recently to get somebody to, to take an action to, to buy. And that touch point could be where they see you on social media, they're Googling you, the emails that you're sending them. It's harder and harder to get somebody to give you their money. It's easier to get, to get the rest of their money once, they, once you've got that trust. <laughs> but the right. hardest thing is getting them to overcome that first right. hurdle, right? That's such a golden <laughs> exercise. Like... I mean, what are the beliefs, right? And listing it down, what is everything they need to believe, you know, from top of funnel all the way down to bottom funnel and then operationalizing that through like, what are the assets that need to get created? You know, like, I feel like, uh, <laughs> that's a great thing for a marketing consultant advisor, marketing partner to come in and do. And, uh, we, we've talked to a lot of them and not, not have ever talked about that. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I can add some unique aspect to this, but it's, it's a very, it is like a very um, fundamental thing to do. And when I start doing this, like for instance, with a client or myself, it's kind of like, oh, we really have to go through this. And then they start to see it. Like, and in fact, I'm going to read, okay, I actually came up with 17 beliefs for vitamin patch club. I'm just going to read these out loud because I can rattle yeah. them off. My health is important. My health, is, and these are important that they're in order, right? My health right. is important. My health is in my control. I can understand how to achieve good health. My current method is not optimal for good health. Nutrition is number one. It's possible to get good nutrition. Good nutrition can be affordable. A balanced diet is the best way to get nutrition. Supplementation is important because it's hard to eat all the right things at the right times. Micronutrients are important. Okay, so those are the first 10. Like, I'm not going to create much content around those because those are the ones that like, okay, yeah, I get it. Health is important, mm. but we went to though that level of what do we, what do we need people to accept as true before we can ever get their money? And then the final mm -hmm. seven are not all vitamins are equal bioavailability. Like I know what that is and why it's important. I understand the best methods of delivery for vitamins. Pills are the least bioavailable. I believe transdermal patches are effective Vitamin Patch Club delivers on its promise of great products and affordable price. And lastly, the company will take care of me. Now, there may be some other ones, but if you think about those linearly, you go, yeah. huh, okay, well, I don't actually have any content talking about like reinforcing the fact that we will take care of them. Maybe I should do that and then throw that in bottom of the funnel retargeting ads. Mm. Yeah. Woo. I like that. It's, it, cool. It, it's cool. You can kind of reverse engineer it too. I mean, you mentioned diving into that bottom funnel first. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. You can really execute this. I mean, yeah. we're so, we're so addicted to the hack, right? And we just, uh, a lot of times we'll get straight into what's the latest tactic, what's the latest hack, assuming that the principles of what you just talked about and the foundation is all in place. Yep. And in most cases, um, they're they're not <laughs> no exactly exactly and the the uh, the foundations and the principles are everything they're sometimes boring to do but yeah, yeah. um but they can uncover they can make things simple and uncover a, a way to make everything a lot easier yeah okay, and, and a good consultant I, I would also say not only just like takes you through that exercise but a good consultant is going to like operationalize that exercise for you right bingo and that's exactly what i do so one oh, of the other, yeah, so one of the other ads that's working real well. So I don't forget this, and this kind of helps, you know, especially if people don't know. If you're not a household name, you're not Coca Cola, you're not a big brand, you're kind of coming from nowhere. Let's say you're yeah. advertising on Facebook is a is a good example, right? Where people right. stumble across you. Um, let's just say, like, so I did this. I had a um, I I, I had a client who taught, uh, you know, is in the real estate investor business, real estate investors and agents, both were, were their clients and they were a great marketing agency. They did a lot of work for them and helped them generate leads and close those leads, et cetera. And so one of the things we did out there was we put together about a thousand word Facebook post slash ad. And on this, 
um, it was, these are the, I, I forget how many, I think it was like 24 objection handling answers. So as a real estate investor or an agent, whenever you're talking to a seller, you're likely to get uh, a, any number of of objections is why they can't do business with you, especially when you're, or when you're negotiating or just trying to get the listing or get them to sell the house. Here are 24 of the best objection handlers that we've got. And we just listed it out like one and then a little clip, one, a little clip. And you come across this and it should be overwhelming. Like, wow, this is really long. Like this is almost too long, but it's so valuable like I need to refer back to this. So a lot of the times pe what people will do, and I do this all the time is I'll save it in my Facebook, you yeah. know, save it. I screenshot it. Yeah. I, my, all, my whole camera roll on my iPhone is just screenshots of it. Right. So the problem with that is how often do you really go back to your saved stuff and consume it? I rarely do. Right. So every once in a while uh, I'll yeah. go in there. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that piece. But so what we did in this case is we acknowledged in the, on the top and the bottom, like, Hey, if you want to get over objections, if you want this, here's a great resource for you. Hopefully it's helpful. I realize it's long. If you want a printable PDF that you can download for free of this, where I include a few video walkthroughs, et cetera, right? Like throw a couple bonuses in, just leave a comment or click here or whatever your call to action is. In this case, I used leave a comment. And then I used ManyChat to uh, fire it up. Hey, thanks for uh, requesting this. Would you like a PDF of the post that you just read? Right. Great, what's uh... your email? Now, the point here is most people who do an ad to an opt-in are you know, it's, it's kind of a tease, like, Hey, do you want these objection handling things? Give me your email first. <laughs> this right. one is like, no, I'm going to give you the value. I'm not going to ask a thing for it. However, you're going to, you're going to, I'm going to get your opt-in for an easier to consume right. version of what you just got a better modality, maybe with some bonuses, but I've already delivered the value. I've made you believe you can trust me and go, huh? So the, the net effect of this, and yeah, I mean, we spent, we spent uh, tens of thousands of dollars on this ad and it crushed, but um, it, we, we had so much social proof on that ad. Everybody was commenting. This is great. And we didn't tell them what to comment. We just said, Hey, let us know if you want it. So people would phrase it in different ways, but then yeah. many chat would pick up that comment and uh, grab it and say, yeah, here you go. So we built right. a tremendous amount of rapport with them. So the, That's cool. go ahead. Well, I, you know, the switching up of modalities is is proven, right? Like classic, you know, book funnel, right? Like yep. get the physical book, get the audio book, get the ebook, right? Yeah, people and, want it in a way that's easy to consume. Oh, totally. But don't totally. hold the value from them. That's and that's really yeah. the takeaway there is like whatever you're selling, think about this. Like, how can I create a valuable post so that it's not, this is not supposed to be enlightening necessarily. It's supposed to be almost tactical, like do these things. Like what can you produce that somebody would want to print it out and almost have it as a reference or a cheat sheet or something like, oh, hell yeah. Like we're working on this for Vitamin Patch Club now to just go, um, you know, what are all the things you need to know? Like, hey, do, do you want a printable PDF of this? Uh, mm -hmm. We're happy to give it to you. Now I've got your attention. But then, and then as, as you guys know, as media buyers, you get tons mm -hmm. of social proof on an ad, positive social proof. It just, yeah. it's like compound interest. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it helps. But that, that was always a fun, unique one. I haven't seen a lot of people doing that method. I've seen them saying, hey, if you want this, blah, 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 blah. I've got this thing. If you want it, you know, comment here. But no, give it to them yeah. up front in an unformatted, hard to consume version, but Whoa, make them go, man. crap, I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna need to have that handy. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months, then check out ad card. See, the typical agency model is this, you charge 10% of your spend, you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your client's ad account. And before ad card, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front 
which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. So I want to hear about uh, an ad that's not working. I want to hear about this poor ad because, you know, Brad, you have this pristine track record uh, and public persona of like the ultimate marketing consultant that like stays like super high level. But I want to know Brad's not perfect. Brad ain't <laughs> even close to perfect. <laughs> I want to know it's a lot like, easier to pick the ads that, uh, that, that don't work than I'm sorry. It's easier to pick the ads that do work only because they're so, <laughs> they're so fewer. <laughs> The rest of them were a lot longer. Um, I mean, some of the ads, gosh, you know, some of them, you know, I love using metaphors and ads, love them, stories and metaphors. My In marketing, it's some of my favorite things to do. And I remember writing up one um, recently, oh, God, I'm trying to think what the metaphor was, but just where it was like a brilliant thing and it was long and it was kind of contrived, but it was like brilliant writing. If, if somebody read it, like it was supposed to create these epiphanies in people's right. minds, like, Oh wow, that's super cool. And it flopped. We changed the ad to be something like, if you want to learn how to, um, if you want to learn how to like do this, you know, watch this video. And that crushed it. <laughs> comparatively and that's where as a marketing guy i'm kind of like ah gosh darn it like i think i'm brilliant and it uh, you over engineer it this is like my my achilles heel man of being in in marketing too long where you're like let me just just put every principle all in play yeah and it it flops yeah one of uh, i I wish i would have i didn't create this but i i I have no idea who to give credit to but i think i read it someday where it says sometimes the best way to sell a horse to somebody who wants to buy a horse is to put up a sign that says horse for sale yeah and i was like it's just so blatantly obvious like just find somebody who wants what you've got and just say i i've got it like sometimes it's that simple (laughs) now granted it also depends on the sophistication and cynicism of your market but um cynicism that's a new one <laughs> yeah but a good example you said you have a lot of marketing agencies who listen to the show right yeah cool so sometimes you could literally just say and we've done this want us you know if we offer to do all your marketing for you you know would you be interested <laughs> click here <laughs> like um yeah i want that because in Facebook, it's going to be a little different because people are scrolling through and you have mm-hmm. sometimes less time to make your point. They know they typically know it's an ad trying to be too cute can screw things up. But yeah. as marketers, we always we want like we want to be cute. We want to be genius and creative and stuff. And sometimes that doesn't work. Um, the majority of my ads that don't work are me trying to pull out my best sales <laughs> copy. exactly you know know who's got and i and i i touched on this i i gotta give him credit but i i love this concept you know joel Irway. yeah yeah yeah. joel's joel's got this absolutely amazing um structure for an ad called a power offer have you ever heard of that yeah we're actually i think he's actually gonna be on the show tomorrow uh recording an episode talking about that tell him i give him props but he basically says like look go for the absolute you know, the ultimate thing that people want, like, and just say, if I offer to do this for you, you know, w- would you be, would you take me up on the offer? Like yeah, yeah. what, like for instance, if I offer to do all your marketing for you, set up all your campaigns, do this, blah, blah, blah. Like talk to the highest, le- highest possible um, avatar of somebody who wants what you're doing. And then just say, if I offer to basically do all this, would you take me up on that offer? And then, and then give them something to click on and go find out more because whenever you're talking to people like basically saying, Hey, you want me to do this for you? Or just here, you're going to get the attention of everybody. You're not just getting the attention of, Hey, you want a cheat sheet of the best objection handlers, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I love what Joel's done. I'm happy to give him credit for this power offer structure. Uh, you know, I've used it and you know, it's been, it's been great, but, and he uses those in ads. 
So I want to talk about your zone of genius, man. Sure. I want to dive in uh, and real. There's so many things to uncover, you know, in this next segment. But you know, we're really talking to you know agencies, advertisers, and some of them are, most of them, I should say, are all guilty of marketer math, right? It's lazy, round up to the nearest million or ten million, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, you know, project out. Uh, all kinds of uh, of crazy numbers around bookings instead of revenue. So, I want to talk about some financial principles um, in terms of how you think about uh, this with your clients in terms of investing in growth, mm-hmm. managing marketing budget, profitability, uh, and then I also want to talk about some of the creative stuff that you're doing in terms of leveling up from being a you know paid gun for hire consultant, an expensive one at that. <laughs> To really jumping into uh, using strategic finance to 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 do acquisitions and, um, and and buyouts, I think there's plenty of stuff out there. You know, I'll just leave a caveat. There's plenty of stuff out there around like no money down acquisitions. Mm-hmm. You know, and and being creative and 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 I've done that. there's a ton of principles on like no money, but like, I want to, fo- I want to focus on like what to do with the actual money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, a, I mean, and I, and I've bought a couple companies with no money down. And by the way, like the no money thing, it, sometimes it can mean not your money out of your checking account. Right. right. Sometimes it can mean I borrowed money, uh, sometimes millions of dollars to do this. As I mentioned offline, like I'm, I'm, attempting to put together a 50 million dollar line of credit which makes my butt pucker and go you don't know what you're doing but you're gonna do it anyway (laughs) so um well why does it do that like what does that what does that look like so i'm just figuring that part out well uh, yeah i mean let's 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 talk it it through right like what's the use of funds right because like you go raise 50 million you're gonna pay depending on who you raise from keep in mind line of credit so not like give me 50 million and let me have access to it and put it in the bank. So a line of credit is going to be different. If I can get access yeah. to that, then with the ability to say, hey, if I've got a specific deal or deals, then you will write the check because I'm basically it's earmarked for me. That's a different story. And that's a more powerful way to do it because it's less risk for both parties. Mm-hmm. But um for instance, one of the one of the things, and once more, I'm I'm going to be telling you this as I'm learning how to do it. Yeah, so this is, great. This is me trying to grow as an entrepreneur, which is um, um, create a pitch deck for what the proposed use of funds will be. Um, in this case, it is to do an IT service managed MSP roll up, where our goal is to buy multiple IT service businesses and um, you know acquire them up. Op- make them more efficient operationally and profitably and then sell this conglomerate to um, maybe it's, let's say five different companies to a bigger player, like a private equity company or another strategic player, like one company you and I were talking about offline. Um, So in order to do this um, and it's a very competitive market out there for this industry, we're going to, you know, we can go at it and try to get, you know, owner financing and be real creative if we're talking to somebody who wants to sell, but cash is king and somebody who sees themselves able to get money is going to get the deal, you know, yeah, right. They're going to give the deal there. So what we're going to be working on is putting together a very robust pitch deck that says, here's our plan. Here are some of the companies that we have identified as potential targets, although I don't believe we have to have conversations with them yet. We can just identify them and, and then build the business model and the case for um, what we're looking to do. A, a lot of times they call this a search fund, like give us a fund to put together that is, uh, you know, we've got access to this capital. So when we, when we need it, we can strike. And we're going to go out there and search for these companies. That way it allows me to say, okay, Zach, you've got this business. It's worth $3 million in cash. I'll give you 1.5 million in cash with a one point, you know, you know, $1 million in, um, you know, owner financing, another half a million dollars in earn out or something of that nature. Right. But if I can write a check, I don't want to write a check 
for all cash for somebody's assets unless I, I know I can come in there, flip a switch and double the income. Yeah. But um, that's the goal of creating what really I think this amounts to is a search fund, which is what they call. So let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So we're not going to go the route of, you know, creating money in, you know, no money down, try and negotiate. Let's talk about yeah, a $50 million search fund, which is, you know, it, it's different, right? So what would come to mind for most people is like, I need to go create my own fund, right? I'm going to raise 50 million in whatever, 506 BC, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go pick a million dollars at a time and, uh, and basically give, you know, 10 to 12, 15% pref and, you know, some upside, right? That's like what most people would default to in terms of raising 50 million. If, um, you know, unless they're doing more of a syndicate where like somebody's just going to be like, Hey, we have this deal. You bring in money on a, on a per by deal by deal basis. Um, mm-hmm. so you're, you're kind of taking a different step. You're not saying I'm going to create a fund. You're saying I'm going to go get a, a, a line of credit, uh, yeah, up to 50 million that I could draw down when the acquisition is ready. So talk to me about what you're learning in terms of who, who are these, these, you know, with the money. Yeah. Who are the people with the money? Cause there's on that case, literally a conversation this week where he, cause he, a friend of mine put together uh, a deal like this for a different industry. And, uh, I lucked into this. He's like, I've got the people, they've got a access to a lot of money. Um, I can't go into like the, the, sure. <laughs> but um, they are looking for deals to place their assets. He's already got an in, he's already gone through the process and he's like, I'll walk you through it. He'll obviously get a piece of my company, but sure. um, he goes, I'll walk you through it. But they are, you know, they've got access to at least a billion dollars of uh, cash that they're trying to do, um, you know, place in investments because they don't want to put it in the stock market. Ideally, they will be real estate backed, right? Like a lot of these investors want something that's real estate backed. Like it's, let's say it's a local business, like a chain of auto shops where they actually own right. the land under it. The stuff I'm looking for isn't really real estate backed. So that might cause a problem. But True. the bottom line is how do you find these people? For me, it was luck and networking and relationships of people mm-hmm. who just know what I'm trying to do which is why I'm never secretive about the business plans and things I do. I mean, I'll be, I may be secretive about the micro details, but I let people know because it only takes one person to go, Hey, I heard you mm-hmm. on this show and I may be able to help you out. So I, I freely yeah. tell everybody, I don't hide the ideas. The, um, uh, uh, just to speak on that for a second, I a hundred percent agree when we, when I first had the idea of like just funding people's ad spend and, and kind of changing the monetization model of, of, of funnel dash, like literally the first person I told was a guy I go to church with who's like, he's like in nonprofits, you know, he's like, you know, just like your run of the mill local guy that shows up on, uh, you know, he's got a couple of kids in high school, mm-hmm. not in business, like at all, you know? And he's like, yeah, you know, you should meet uh D- Dick Blewett. Um, he's a good, you know, friend of mine and Dick, is basically the head of the GSO group at Blackstone, ah. which is like the largest credit asset manager in the world That's crazy. is like the first go around connection uh, onto this effort. So I couldn't agree more in terms of like being open with what you're thinking about, even if it's unstructured, even if you don't have all the pieces um, you never know who's connected to who. And, uh, sometimes you have somebody completely ignorant that d- doesn't even know what you're talking about, but they're like, yeah, you should probably talk to this person. <laughs> that's that precisely. That's, that's yeah. precisely it. And then with the, the, with the ways that we're trying to find some of these deals, uh, there's going to be, and this has started, it's going to be both, um, uh, email, like networking, email, direct mail, reach out, just trying to get conversations going. We, we have created a company that is doing uh pay-per-click lead generation for um it surface companies um to be quite honest that's a trojan horse we're gonna yeah. go in there and do that because if we can i mean we'll, we'll try to monetize it either way but if we can get their trust as a you know trusted advisor who's able to ask them about their business then we can ask the um the million dollar question which anybody who's who's owns an agency right now should pay extremely close attention to this mm-hmm. it's a very highly manipulative persuasion based question with very advanced language which is 
You ever thought about selling your company? <laughs> right? Ask that question. Um, agencies, advisors, consultants never ask that damn question. And it's mainly because they don't, they wouldn't know what to do with it if uh, right. they have. And if that company is thinking about selling, they, they get worried because they're like, well, um, I might lose a client. I ask every right. single one of my clients that, and I suggest that every agency owner does too, because even if you do not know how to buy uh, a business, you know people who do. And if you don't know people who do, and you're listening to the sound of my voice, mm-hmm. <laughs> hit me up. I know we mm-hmm. just met, but this may be crazy. <laughs> Call me maybe. But, right. but that can happen. And then so for instance, I love working with uh, agency owners who are especially productized service. Like let's say I do PPC and Facebook ads for a company or website design. You know, they've got the ears and the trust of their clients. Simply ask, so what's the long-term, uh, what's the long-term vision here? Do you, you plan on just growing this, giving it to your kids, maybe selling it? If they say selling it, put on your thinking cap and go, wow, if this guy could sell it to somebody else, what if I could buy it or, or be a part of a group who buys it? I wonder who I could call to help make this happen. You'd be surprised at how many business owners would love to get out of their business because, but they feel like they're stuck in it because they're not even thinking that anybody would buy that piece of crap. That's how I felt about my info product. I, Mm -hmm. it was, it was down 70% from its peak because I was working on other stuff and I was just going to let it ride it down to the ground. But I talked to a buddy of mine who said he knew a business broker. He's like, I bet I could get this thing sold. It's like, I never thought I'd be able to sell it. Lo and behold, I did. And that is a very common yeah. um, thought among business owners out there. Like, I'd love to sell this business. Um, <laughs> be, like, take it off my hands because especially, you know what, in, like in my field of the IT service businesses, a lot of times there are these techni- technicians and they're really good at IT, but then they decided to go like quit Microsoft yeah. and go out on their own. And then they realize now they have to deal with client service and marketing and right. sales and accounting. And that sucks. <laughs> right? if okay. We, if we Here's become- what I want to know, Brad. I want to know. So, how do you scale this, right? Or like, how do you manage your time? You're a guy that is working on so many different verticals, so many projects. Can you like just peel back the onion for us, just a little bit of like, how many deals do you really have going on right now? In the sense that you're able to keep a pulse on. Not as many as you then- would think, un- unfortunately for me. Well, but that's okay. You. Yeah, that's okay because advisors, you know, they, you know, some people are doing like 50 deals, hundred deals. I don't have that level of organization or management ability in my life, but like, do you like to, what's your sweet spot? Is it like three to five deals at a time? You know, 10 deals at a time. Yeah, walk, 10 deals at a time is quite a bit. I mean, it depends on what stage they're in, but you know, I have to spit my split my time between three primary things professionally, which is, I have current clients that I work with, some of them on fee, some of them on performance, uh, you know, et cetera. So I have, I, I do have to devote some time to that. Uh, the good part is I'm not doing a lot of personalized delivery. It's more strategy showing up and helping manage a few of the parts and more creative brainstorming. But um, I typically try to do client meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's kind of my sweet spot for that if I can. And by the way, I'm far from perfect at doing this well, like regimenting my time. Um, The other time I I actually, you know, I have a couple of portfolio companies, the the ones that I have ownership in and I like Mondays and Wednesdays, I really try to uh, focus on port, you know, my, the things I have ownership of to the greatest degree possible. Um, throughout the day, usually in the afternoons is when I do, uh, you know, phone calls and, like analysis, like non-creative work, just talking to people, moving deal. Like if it's a deal, like moving those things forward and just trying right. to see where it's going. Now, if sometimes, you know, sometimes a deal is just conversation, conversation, conversation. And then once an agreement is struck, then it goes into like due diligence and it gets harder. So um, I have to sacrifice yeah. either client time or portfolio company time. And I just have to, I have to get creative or work twice as much. Um, but that's, I mean, those are the three things like at this exact moment, my deal flow is not real high. So it's not overwhelming me, right? So I'm spending the majority of my time between the companies that I have a piece of and my, um, and my clients while trying to get that other deal flow coming in more rapidly. Fridays. What What do you do on Fridays? 
What do you do on Fridays? That primarily working my deals and um, okay. strategizing the thing, like just really strategizing the things that have to move forward. And a lot of phone Fridays are almost all phone calls back to back to back. Got it. Got it. Yeah. But I'm trying to figure it out, you know, there's no such thing as time management. It's all activity management. And uh, the other way I've kind of time blocked uh, once more, I'm not as successful as I'd like to be at this, but I try to group things into uh, the mindset I need to be in when I'm doing it. So strategic mm. work is one thing, like really thinking through a strategy. Uh, there's creative work. Maybe I'm writing copy or ad copy or or something of that nature, right? So there's a difference between strategy thinking and creative thinking. And then mm. there is just doing things. I call it feeding the animals, right? Like, <laughs> you know, feed the, like it just has to be done. Maybe it's personal finance. Maybe it's just getting shit off my plate. Um, yeah. And then there is the connecting yeah. side, right? Like I need to be in the mode where I'm having conversations and I'm connecting. Those are the four primary buckets and there's other little ones, but it's like, am I doing, I guess the other one is like deep analysis. Like let's say spreadsheet work and really, really left brain thinking. Um, right. So if I try to switch, if, if, if I'm writing sales copy or, or trying to come up with a, an idea for a video or something like that, and then I have to go jump into a spreadsheet, the cost of switching is so high that I'm not going to be effective at one of those. Right. And likely either one of them. So I'll try to just segregate those out by day and say, all right, today yeah. is spreadsheets all day. Put a gun in one hand and a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I gotta, I gotta, we gotta wrap up with, with two other questions here, which is, uh, one, well, we'll just dive into the first one here is what are your thoughts on debt, you know, in the business? We've talked about debt to acquire businesses mm -hmm. and, you know, exploring, you know, the idea of creating a credit fund and, uh, but then there's, um, you know, there's actually a, a good and bad uses of, of leveraging debt. Mm -hmm. How do you advise your clients on this? Do you, to what extent are you involved in that financial planning conversation and in terms of capitalizing cash flow management, a things like that. A little bit. I don't go super deep into that because I understand, like, I don't even, uh, I'm not as expert at that as I actually would like to be, but um, I, you're right. The good debt, bad debt. Um, basically if it, you know, if it's something that either funds inventory or funds a growth initiative that you think you can turn this around and yeah. um, and get profitable on, then yeah, go for debt. If it's vanity projects, if it's just like growth at any cost, I say no. Um, like, and for yeah. instance, I love following a profit first methodology made famous by the book of the same name by Mike Michalowicz, which is yeah. um, you just flip the the numbers around to say, here's my sales. Um, this is how much profit I'm pulling out. Like pull your profit out of your, uh, out of your sales first. Like, let's say, and I love to do yeah. this, which is I'm, I want to engineer a minimum of a 10% profit margin in a business that I own. Right. So it's like a million dollars come in of those, of that million dollars off the top, a hundred thousand dollars. Let's say it's that year or let's say it's that month, a million dollars a month, right? A hundred thousand dollars comes off the top and goes into a separate bank account that leaves us with $900,000 of expense to play with like that's how much we get to spend right. we pulled the profit off first don't touch the profit don't put it back into the business now given those that level of expenses can we grow with what we need to um like you know do we have the capital to grow well there's a couple ways to create capital we either sell more stuff and i ideally that helps or we borrow the money for an initiative if we think that you know, the terms are fair, right. we can pay it back. Right. Um, right. I wish I had a more expert opinion, but that's kind of the way uh, no, that's good. look at it. That's good. So, uh, and then the last one, where do you really land, you know, in uh, w w with credit cards? Are you, are you like a cashback guy, points guy, credit? I'm debit. more of a points guy personally, but I'm woefully inadequate at managing those points. And then I never want to spend those points because I was like, oh, but I, if I spend the dollars, I'll get more points. So I'm terrible at this. I've, I just looked at my like Amex. I got like almost half a million points on my Amex and I've got other stuff and I never use them. So I'm not efficient at managing them and uh, whatnot. I would love to, like, I love this stuff that you guys are talking about bringing out for uh, your card. Like maybe yeah. it's a crypto thing, et cetera. But um, I accumulate points and then I sit on them and I go, Oh, Hey, look at all those points. What should I do with them? <laughs> I should be much more intentional with them. 
Yeah. 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 No, that's cool, man. Yeah. I, uh, well, this has been an amazing episode. Thank you so much for, for, for being able to, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're up to next, how we can support you cool. and, uh, how people can get in touch. All right. So yeah, the, the, the things I'm up to next is really, uh, growing, um, vitamin patch club, which is, you know, the one just took, um, equity yeah. in uh so anything to do with a health wealth uh not health wealth health and wellness market uh, i am going to be actually looking to do some acquisitions in that space as well um that's a big area and then uh really looking for it based companies that i can either serve as a you know lead generation and advisory to them because it can be one or the other and or if they're open to taking investment or uh exiting then I'm extremely interested in talking to them. And for instance, if you have people listening to this who run agencies and maybe they have clients who are in the IT service space, I don't want to compete with you and try to serve them. But if you ever ask them a question such as, would you ever be open to selling your business um, mm. or open to a conversation? I know somebody who's looking to acquire, then you know, you know how to get a hold of me. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that's not just IT businesses. I'm always looking for uh, businesses that you know can have value added to it that the owner might be a little bit ready to let go. And marketing agencies have the single best mm -hmm. level of trust. Have that you should be having that conversation anyway. Um, have it. And if you don't know what to do with it, I mean, get it get a hold of me. I may sh <laughs> show you how to get control of it, or I may offer to partner with you. Those are the two yeah. primary things. And then beyond, beyond that, if anybody just wants to um you know, some kind of unique ideas to grow their business. Uh, you know, I, I still do work with clients. So, and you can't go wrong. I mean, check out bacon wrap business. I feel like you, yeah. uh, you got all the OGs of uh, people that have been <laughs> in marketing for like a decade, two decades, uh, on your show. And, uh, you go like really deep, uh, on that. So. Yeah. You know why? Because I use that. I, I joke that I have the most selfish podcast on iTunes because I do not actually care if anybody's listening my audience i have people on the show that i want to learn from and yeah. very selfishly so it's like you don't get on my show if you just want to talk about you it's like if i already know everything that you're going to talk about you're not getting on um because of that i ask these questions that are that i want to apply either in my business or my client's business so it's very yeah. actionable like i could almost care less about your story and because of that, by the way, like I've generated over yeah. a million dollars in revenue from my guests alone because I wow. found a way to work with them and say, oh, that was that was an interesting challenge you're having. Let's follow up later. And uh, I've done either partnership right. deals or clients. So it's a, it's there you a go. one. There you go. Baconwrapbusiness.com. Sponsored by business Brad. Advice, guaranteed to make you fat. Profits. Sponsored by Brad. Who, that's awesome, dude. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much, Brad. It's been a lot of fun. for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, zach at funneldash.com, show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ed book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoored.com to leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.